With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. This fucker. All right. Let's kick 9-11 in the ass. Today on the brighter side, we're talking about the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. Not 9-11. We're talking about the <laughs> Memorial and Museum. So any bad comments we have is about the museum and not 9-11, the horrible, horrible war disaster murder terrorist act that is not good right that right. was not good what it's- a great legal disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> your honor he said not good but we had our first field trip as the brighter side cena amber sam and i all went down to the 9-11 museum and uh we went in we brought a field recorder and uh it's got a lot of use it got a lot of use and we'll actually you know what we'll just play that right now Hello, everybody. This is uh, The Brighter Side with Ed Larson, Amber Nelson, and Cena John. We're on our first official field trip down here at the 9-11 Memorial. We figured, why not look at the brighter side of the saddest thing that New York possibly has to offer? And the world. My parents did not sign the permission slip. It's, just, uh, the, the, it's like a, going to a Holocaust museum except, uh, you know, at Auschwitz. <laughs> this is, I haven't been here since they made the pools, I haven't been here in a very long time. There's no reason to come down here. This is just a place I avoided like the plague for a while. And they're still filming. Oh, we're just recording our audio. Oh, we can't go oh, oh, at all. How do you guys get over here? Oh, we, we, just we, bought, over. we bought tickets. We bought tickets. Yeah, we have They've tickets. Already, we've already been checked in. Yeah. All right. So you guys have to go this way. Then you guys cannot stay in this area. Okay. That's okay. right. Thank you. And we're back. Hey, so it worked out real well. All right. Uh, yeah. About five seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> and then they took it as soon as we walked in. So don't bring your microphones. It will be useless. And if you do do it, go ahead and take it down the block and do it there right before you come in and right after you come out. Either way, maybe talking to your iPhones, but don't be an asshole because you must be respectful when you're standing on the graves of 3,000 people. The mm. smaller security guards seem more upset than the bigger ones. Oh, the bigger ones are just laid back and happy yeah. to have a stool and air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> they know the score. The little guy that ran up to us was furious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he finally got to do something. 
You know, he's been sitting there. Everyone's so respectful at the 9-11 memorial that uh, there's no way for him to ever get some action. So he was really excited. He was hoping that was a gun or something. He was <laughs> disappointed it was just a recorder. No, that's that's not a recorder. That What is that? What is You tell me the truth. What is it? <laughs> you do have to go through a TSA like checkpoint when you go in, which I think is probably more for the safety of a or for the security, the peace of mind of people going in there. It's just so they think, oh, well, obviously nobody has a gun or a knife on them. Unlike Eddie's. Uh, oh my God! So I go, I go. I've been twice now. All right, I've been to the nine eleven. Two hundred percent more times than anyone in the world. Oh my <laughs> good lord! All right, so the first time I go with my mom and her real stupid boyfriend. And uh, we're going through, and I'm going through the checkpoint, and with him, we share a, a tray for a tray for our change and our wallets and whatnot. And we're going through, and the guy looks at me, he's like, uh, "There's a knife in there." I'm like, "There's not a knife in there. That's mm. ridiculous." And he's like, "No, there's a knife in there." I was like, "I didn't bring a knife to the 9/11 museum. I'm not an idiot." And then, uh, and then my my mom's boyfriend's like, "Ah, oh, that's my knife." And I was just like, "What the fuck?" So you brought a knife to the 9-11 museum yelling at this old man in front of everyone. He's got a cast on his leg. He's like, oh, you know, I just had a knife. And it's the stupidest, shittiest, rusty $2 knife. And it's like, it's like, you know, this is how this all started, right? <laughs> this is like what this is like this the whole thing is about. <laughs> That's not a knife. Now this is also not a knife. <laughs> but, you know, if you bring a knife, they give you a little ticket, they'll hold your knife for you, and then you can pick it up when you're done. If you so need to bring a knife with you to the 9-11 Museum, know that you can pick it up afterwards. It's so American. Yeah. It's so American. All stabbings must be outside the museum. You know what was great? When we walked in, we were all didn't know where to go, and Eddie immediately was like, you know, I went down this path, and it was really depressing. I think we should just go ahead and do that again. <laughs> yeah. He was such a good leader yeah. throughout the entire experience. There was one time I was like in the corner just almost in tears and Ed walked up and he's like, hey, did you go see this portion over here? It's like really fucked up. And I was like, I gotta see it. It's Pandora's box now. So, and he did the same thing. He came over to me. He like, he's like, come here. Come walk with me. And I you guys were gonna him. walk past it. All three of you weren't gonna see the most gruesome part of the and museum. He goes, he goes, go in there. That This is the that's worst, the, uh, worst that's, part. That's the ugly stuff right there. <laughs> and we'll get into some spoiler alerts uh, later on in the podcast. So just in case you want to cut in it off. In case you, you wanna... didn't know, the buildings fall. And then uh, <laughs> you know, one goes in the Pentagon, another one in the field. Spoiler oh, alert. A lot of people died. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there, But a lot of people did pass. And there, are, um, there were classy and unclassy ways that it was shown. Um, one of which is you, well, so you walk through, we had a source. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm going all over the place here. Yeah. We did have a source. We met with drinks after and discussed uh, what's going on in the museum. An inside source who works at the museum and helped, you know, create stuff there. Blah, blah, blah. And um, one of the, before you get into like the really horrible stuff, there's a first section that's just horrible stuff. And it's um, like a burnt up fire truck yeah. and stuff like that. But some of it is uplifting. Like there is a there's a big cool uh, artist installation that has a it's just a bunch of blue pictures. And what it is is uh, I think about three thousand artists or two thousand nine hundred seventy seven. How many people died? And they have are different uh, blocks of blue. And each block of blue is how each artist remembers the sky on nine eleven. Mm -hmm. But behind that wall is where they keep all the bones. 
All those bones. There's all that. They also have a wall, like the original wall that didn't collapse. The slurry wall. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just good to kind of remind, because this was something that I was wondering when we were walking through, is that the museum is actually built kind of on on the site, right? Yeah, in the basement. And there's and it's incorporated a lot of what's left of the infrastructure of the towers, is that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so some you'll see like melted and crushed beams all around you that were from the original Twin Towers. And these are not ones that were taken and transplanted. They're they, just still there. They're still there, which is really, really, you I mean, adds to You see the foundation, everything. Yeah. Just like an inch nut, like inch wide thick bolts just bent. Something it's bent it. It's horrifying. Fucking crazy. And they got part of the spire from the original down there. I touched it. It Ooh. was weird. Eddie. I had Eddie? to. It was oh. right there. You can so kind of lean over. Naughty. If you want to touch it, you could touch it. <laughs> I would say uh, uh, we're talking the brighter side here. One of the brighter sides is that we were able to, by the hands of American men and women, go in there, clean up the rubble, and rebuild. Rebuild a beautiful tower. I it, mean, if you go see it, it, it reflects the sky. It's gorgeous. It's my favorite building in all of America. No yeah. question about it. It yeah. does. And when you look at it from like Midtown or anywhere else, or even coming from someplace else outside. Well, that's the Luxor. Uh, in Las Vegas. <laughs> but I think I think if you look at it, it doesn't seem as amazing as when you're right in front of it and yeah. you can see how tall it is and how strong it is mm-hmm. and what a, just like a feat of human engineering. Like It's yeah. like if God got a fake dick. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so big. It's beautiful because that's what Mission people, accomplished. Mission accomplished. Because <laughs> the people that attacked us, they wanted to ruin our infrastructure. So then we had to... Uh, uh, dis- disable, do nothing, and then sort of have to have their religion or their ideals on our side. But we said, no, we're going to rebuild and we're going to make it bigger and better than it was before. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, and there's a cool 10-minute video right when you walk in. It's worth waiting in line for. You might have to wait a couple turns, but it's all about rebuilding and how, you know, in order to feel the pain and, like, feel the relief of pain, it is, you have to understand rebuilding and it's all these time lapses and i think it's philip glass is the music behind it it's it's really nice really amazing and it's this three screen kind of experience and you walk through it you you just you kind of just sit there and you just see how many how long it took and how many people were involved to create this place and also Mm. when you're sitting in there kind of give a look around make sure there's no old people standing oh yeah yeah. there's always a couple people left standing if you're spry stand in the back don't even take a seat who gives a shit that's another brightest side is that that is the place where the new york are the nicest to each other. I except heard more, for the children. <laughs> except for the kids. They just run around because they don't get it. little fucking kids, They man. have I'm no sorry. idea Fuck what those happened. Kids. They didn't experience the it. The number of kids I saw laughing. Just I, running oh. around playing tag. <laughs> <laughs> if I would have fucking tag you into next week. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, I was pissed off at that. I was watching. Uh, they were at the reenactment on one of the screens. Not a reenactment, like video news footage. footage. Of the plane going in, and this kid with a plane hit the kid just goes, <laughs> "Mommy!" <laughs> and then he just like ran away with his buddies, and I was like, "This, I don't know how to feel about this right now." Sounds like a young Marcus Parks. <laughs> 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 All right, well, we've discussed some brighter side aspects to it. I'd like to discuss um, how the, based on our source, the museum is privately funded. Oh, yes. I now, got a real fucking problem with that. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people that fund private museums in New York are sort of the top echelon of people that don't really understand the lifestyles of others. Privately funded mostly by Bloomberg. Mostly by Bloomberg. And, and my theory behind this is that probably didn't have to be 
uh, privately funded that Bloomberg, when he was mayor, chose, this is a theory of mine, there's no proof behind this, <laughs> chose to not make it government funded and to make it privately funded and build it himself because he knows what a fucking cash cow this thing's going to oh, be God. for. Ever, yeah, forever and ever, people have been paying twenty five dollars a ticket. It's been open for five weeks. A million people have gone. Twenty five dollars a ticket. I don't care how much it how much it costs to make it. They're going to get their money back and then some in ten more weeks. And of course, they're probably going to give a portion of the funds to some sort of victim relief fund. Thank no. God. Who knows? You never know. They're going to say that, whatever. Maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll just go to Bloomberg's great-grandkids so they can pay for them to get into the fucking country club or something someday. But I'm furious that this is completely privately funded. There's not a state, city, or or the federal level. Anyone. Everyone would want to put money into this museum. Alcatraz is a national park. Pearl Harbor is a national park. Why isn't this a national park? It's unbelievable. I don't understand. It's just a, I think it was just a, a Bloomberg power grab, and it happened, and everyone was just like, well, he knows what he's doing. Let's just let him do it. Ugh. Yeah, man. Uh, and I would like to discuss, this is a whole topic in and of itself, uh, because the people are private museum owners, they, and again, they don't understand the lifestyles of others, some of the names, especially the Hispanic names, are misspelled. Yeah, they're spelled incorrectly because they refuse to pay for enyes and accents. Yep. Which is... Furious! It is. It is very disrespectful. I don't know how much it could possibly be. It's definitely less than a letter. I'll tell you that much. It's because they know these people will not complain. They know that the family of a, of a poor Mexican worker will not go up and stomp their feet and write a, 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 a what do you call it? An article in the New York Post about this, exposing them. But if they did that to like a white blue blood person, absolutely they would get their ass kicked. Right, I'm sure if Keisha fucking went down at 9-11, they'd have all her fucking name in there. <laughs> Dollar sign and all. Shit. That's so terrible. Did she legally change her name? I fucking hope so. <laughs> come get her. <laughs> no, I, I, I really am upset about that as well, and I, I really wish, I think this goes, again, back to the fact that it's privately done. This is a mm-hmm. private institution, and it has the most altruistic of purposes, of course, but at the same time, you're going to see a corporation again taking money from people that, that deserve it a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, the place we were talking about with the accents and the Enyes is inside. There's an exhibit. Before you get into the actual museum, there's an exhibit where it's a giant room bigger than the creek in the cave. And along the lining the walls, eight, to, eight by ten photographs of every person who died. There's 18 leaves and the leaves are basically, they're a peach tree leaf, uh, and that peach tree leaf is reminiscent of the one tree that survived 9-11 that's still out there, which is a peach tree, and every other tree is a different kind of tree. And so that that peach tree leaf is a it's for the pictures they couldn't get. And some of the pictures uh, they had to, they couldn't get from the families, or the families refused to give them, and they had to get like their driver's license photo, and some of them are pixelated, kind of shitty, but it doesn't matter. They got all of them, but... 19, not 18. They got all of them but 19, and and I was very impressed. And there's a little uh, thing you can go to, and it's an interactive... It's like a uh, touch screen. Touch screen. Where you can look, you can tap on someone's photo and get a little biographical information mm-hmm. about them. Not just that, if they have recordings of them talking, you can hear their voice, you can listen to their family say their name, yeah. and, and then if you want to, and if someone you know and someone you feel dear about died in 9-11, you can actually go to their picture. It's in alphabetical order. 
uh, press play now, and then it will play in this giant room where everyone just kind of sits in this room and watches projections of uh, people who had passed away. Mm -hmm. And another brighter side of that is our source said that um, the the a victim. The wife was still alive, and she had a son. And oftentimes it's difficult for a child to discuss the death of a parent with with the other parent because you don't want to bring up those feelings in the mother. She's already yeah. gone through enough. So yeah. um, our source had overheard the child approaching the mother and saying, this is my dad. What did he like? What did he want to eat? What are some like weird things about him? And it opened up a dialogue and a discussion that the mother and child never had before. Yes. Yeah. I think that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the also the interesting thing about that was that all of the biographical information has nothing to do with what happened on 9-11. Yeah. It's yes. solely about the that particular victim and what their life was like. Yeah. Leading up to they fucking that. jumped off the forty fifth floor. And yeah, and no, it wasn't. All, and it, it wasn't, wasn't that. It was no. they played high school football. They were yeah. in theater, or they, you know, whatever. And That's it wasn't like me, this though. guy was the VP of marketing or like the head of this hedge fund. It wasn't like the like classic biographical stuff. Yeah, it was, it was really nice personal details. Yeah, how like there was one that I read about a fireman from Glendale. How he loved food, and every time that someone when he was out to eat uh, and someone ordered something that he liked, he'd start clapping. He'd be like good choice, good choice, good choice. And that made me feel closer to him. Not granted, because <laughs> I love fat, food. You're a fat guy. Yeah, I'm a big fatty. <laughs> you know, and it made, but it, it really it, it made me all. It made me swell up. You know, it was uh, it was very it was very impressive. Uh, yeah, the way that whole exhibit was handled. And within, uh, so that was on the outer walls, and they have this like inner circle, right? That has like the touch screens, and then inside mm-hmm. the square is a little viewing room where you can view these things. Uh, view the audio uh, recordings of these people talking and family members talking about the victims. Yeah. And you could sit there, you could just watch person after person come up. And there was one in particular, uh, Sam, I think you and I were were watching Mm -hmm. this, where the guy actually, the wife was talking, and the guy... He every morning he would write his wife a different note. Every single morning. So fucking sad. And then sometimes he would wake up at five o'clock in the morning earlier than he would normally do and just draw pictures to his kids. Because he would go to work at like six and not get home till eight or nine at night. Yeah. It was just really kind of moving. And I think you can end up spending a lot of time in there and you get really sad because then you start overhearing people. I don't know if you guys heard this, but I remember heard a, a couple of people that were like Oh, I used to work with that person. Oh, yeah. I know that guy. You're like, oh my god, this yeah. is yeah, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> get me out of here. The and interesting thing is, some of these uh, firemen, uh, not just firemen, but other people, they had uh, other families. They had a yeah. second family, and That's that second source. family uh, did not get any recognitions. In some cases, even had another kid with another woman, and the child, the other child, wouldn't get. Uh, recognition as being a, uh, the son or daughter of that particular person. And, you know, they they would have, you know, these are people that, you know, they were married and just never got divorced, you know, because sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's five years go by and you don't get the divorce because you don't want to go through court or whatever and you're with another person and you start a whole new life and you got a child and, you know, and like, you know, they see the firemen came up to him and they're like, this, you got the wrong uh, wife and kid up there. And they're like, no, actually, she has the power of attorney and refuses to put the other wife and child up there. And it's like, this is the one that the guys that watched him die that went in the building with him they're like this isn't the woman that came to all of our picnics 
this isn't the one that we still know and love and take care of. And it's a different woman. And there's a lot of that in there uh, from people who are divorced and, you know, 9-11 fame whores that want all the attention and don't want any other attention uh, brought taken away from them as, as individuals. I think, you know, it might be a weird brighter side of this, but at the same time, I think it's good that we see some of these really dark parts of society that people are out there willing to take advantage of a tragedy like this for their own for their own kind of like you can sniff those fuckers out in two seconds yeah and the best way the source described it was that whenever you talk to these people the first thing you hear about is about them it's got Mm. nothing to do with the family member they know that died is everything to do with them and how it affected them and so yeah and the fuck those fuckers (laughs) (laughs) amen There's also an, another picture in that whole wall, and it's got um, a man, and he's just kind of in his underwear, and kids are hanging out in their underwear. And because, again, it's a private museum, a lot of them are very, like, waspy, uh, they were like, is this appropriate? I don't think it is. And But the guy was like, no, I want, or sorry, excuse me, the, the, the wife and the kids said, no, I want this to represent my husband that died this is him mm-hmm. and the wasps just they didn't get it <laughs> they don't understand that it's hot in Spanish countries and they don't always have all their clothes on yeah. it doesn't mean that they're fucking their children <laughs> they're just wearing boxer shorts yeah. while holding them in that picture mm-hmm. oh man so that um, is a pretty sad part of the memorial, but let's get to the it's, sadder part. It's incredibly parts. uplifting, though that that one part. That that it, is. it really like it really took a lot out of me and emotionally. And like, granted, it fucking broke me down and made me cry, just like four other parts in the goddamn museum. Yeah. But uh, the but that in particular was just like, man, I finally get to learn about this list of names. Yeah. yeah. And it's so important, and it's something you will not learn in school. You won't learn anywhere else. But you will you get a full introspective right there and it's great it's so wonderful that they did it yeah uh, I just want to bring up one more thing before we move on from um, this particular exhibit Mm -hmm. Um, the source told us another um, interesting fact it was sort of a a mix up with uh, photos oh yeah this is such a funny story it's it's so great this um, this firefighter I believe um, was sort of a prankster and he his photo was the only photo that was put the incorrect photo was put up it was actually a photo of his brother and his brother came to see the museum uh right when it opened and he said you know i just i gotta tell you um you i'm got, not dead i'm not dead um <laughs> my brother did die um but i think he would have really really loved the fact that my picture is up instead of his because that's just how he was and I thought yeah. that was another interesting yeah. biographical and the mother laughed apparently yeah. she laughed probably the first time in years yeah absolutely but yeah. they you know they were like that is funny but change it <laughs> <laughs> change it now yeah, nice. oh and I almost forgot about the woman that got away right oh, the Indian Lord. woman well they th- it's a theory that this Indian woman uh, got away she was a doctor and she was seen a block away from the Twin Towers on security camera footage she's missing her family has been trying to get her claimed as a victim and the government has never claimed her as a victim because they have not found any evidence of her DNA anywhere which uh, you know which fine well, you know it's molten metal you know you're not going to find everything but she was a doctor who lived two blocks away and the first plane hits the building and then there's security footage of her in an elevator in her building after the first plane hit 
And then that's the last footage of her. So her family thinks that since she was a doctor, she ran into the buildings to try to help people and then got crushed and died. Another theory is, is that since they found none of her DNA and she was in kind of a loveless marriage, that maybe she just grabbed some money and booked it out of town and is one of the few people who is just completely off the radar from this thing. That's a positive story. I choose to believe that story. I love that. Oh, it's much better than she yeah. died. I, I also like, love lawlessness. I was yeah. <laughs> going. I like seeing an opportunity like that and being like, oh, fuck, it's time to go. It's I'm sad. getting out of here. Isn't there one, um, There, uh, there's one recorded murder on 9-11. Uh-huh. One recorded, yeah. Ed has a story. There's like 40-something people. Yeah, the one recorded murder is from uh, where? The is, uh, It's from bed And what is um, it? Who was murdered? It's Heinrich Siwiak, a Polish immigrant. Oh. Okay, and uh, did it, is there any details about it? or? Um, the case is still unsolved. Um, he was sh- shot in bed and uh, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of, uh, been a whole lot of leads. Yeah, yeah of course there's no leads because no one was outside and the cops are... Of course they're busy. Every cop in New York is busy. Every paramedic is busy. Every fireman is busy. You are not... If you're in the five boroughs, unless you're down in the financial district, there is no service for you whatsoever. Yeah. And a story I heard... I got drunk with this gangster dude who had been in jail, so he could have been lying to me, but the story was phenomenal, so I'm going to tell it right now. (laughs) And what he said was he was from Washington Heights, and he lived in Washington Heights during 9-11. And he said that... That was the day that about 12 people were murdered in Washington Heights and no one ever found out because they just died in 9-11. And, you know, it was like every snitch in the neighborhood was killed that day. He's like, anyone who owed anyone money was killed that day. He said that he saw someone get stabbed on a rooftop. Fucking crazy shit. He's like, everyone locked their doors and stayed inside out of fear because it became Mad Max out there and it was just complete lawlessness. And the crazy ass fuckers to see the towers fall from your rooftop and then be like oh now we killed this motherfucker that's gotta be on the top of your to do list for <laughs> months <laughs> to, to see just, that coming to kill him that's why we need cops you know absolutely like I'm a big advocate of just live in your own life, man. But you need we need some sort of judicial system. We need cops to enforce it, or else we're just going to go around stabbing each other. Absolutely. Everyone will say fuck cops until, you know, you need one. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Of course cops are assholes. You know what their fucking job is? Be nicer to them. You know, because they no one's nice to them. Everyone treats them like shit, and then they got to fucking piss, pick up a guy who's pissing on himself, you know, and then throw him in the back of their cop car, and then clean their cop car all night, and then write a report about it. They have a really hard, bad job. Yeah, be a little be nice, nice to them. Be nice I think to it's, it's also not necessarily always the cops' fault. There's a system in which these cops have to operate in. They have oh. quotas to meet. They have arrests they have to do. There's a system that is, that is data-driven, that it's is trying to apply. Incredibly flawed. Yeah, that is incredibly flawed. That is trying to apply to a world that is really tough to quantify in that way. There are so many times when when an officer has to just make a judgment call, and he's making the judgment call to arrest or stop and frisk somebody, as opposed to just like talking with them because they got to meet some numbers deadline by Friday night at ten so they can go to work. Absolutely, and you know, what? not to like downplay what the firemen did, because we all know what they did was the most heroic thing that's ever happened on American soil. But 
they got all the credit and the cops did the same <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like the cops did the shit. The and Port Authority's at the top of that one uh, pillar in there, the Port Authority PD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. They good. got a little bit of cred there. But I see what you're saying. There wasn't like a cop car that was all mangled. I'll tell you what, honored. you know they who still that, got paid they? on 9 11? The firemen. You know, they were doing their job. And granted, the cops were too, but the firemen were definitely doing more of their job than the cops than the cops were. You know, the, the cops were are meant to police, not to mm. not to drag, you know, go run into burning buildings. You know what story, speaking of which being heroic, really affected me, <clears throat> and I want to talk about like, the whole brighter side of all this, they had a red bandana mm. in the museum, and this is what broke me. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on. You're seeing people flying out of buildings and just like cars dented to hell, but the thing that really broke me was there was a red bandana. And apparently there was this man, he always had a bandana and he was a, a volunteer firefighter. So the buildings start crackling down. He runs inside, grabs a bunch of people, runs. He was off duty. He worked in the towers. Off duty. He worked in the towers. So he just, on, on the his own mind, runs upstairs, grabs people, pulls them back down, and then he runs back upstairs to get more people. He saved about 10 people's lives. There's a lot of people with a story about getting saved by a man with a red bandana. With a red bandana, and they had that red bandana, and it is beautiful. Unfortunate, it's an unfortunate tragedy, but it is beautiful that the human spirit will sacrifice their own life for the lives of 10 plus people. Yeah. And you know what the crazy thing, one of the pictures that really uh, haunted me, and they they showed it a bunch of times just because of how like really serious this is because everyone's trying to get down the stairs you know, yeah. after mm. the plane's hit. And so everyone's trying to get down the stairs and everyone's staying organized, which is incredibly impressive. Yes. People, on, people running down on the right side and people running up to save people on the left side. And they kept that left lane clear. And there is a picture of a cop, a young cop. I want to, I mean, not cop, a fireman, who is, a, would say, no older than 20. Lord knows. And he's looking up those stairs. First of all, he's got to climb 90 flights of stairs. Ooh. And he's looking up those stairs like there is just no end. And there is just a line, an unmovable line of people trying to get down. And that is staying organized. And not They could have done, they could have had complete chaos. There was over mm-hmm. 10,000 people in those buildings. They could have had complete chaos just throwing themselves down those stairs. And the human spirit kept them on the right side walking down like it was a traffic lane and it was incredibly impressive but the cop's eyes the yeah. lost yeah. I mean the, the fireman's eyes how lost he was is just one of the things that just I see when I close mine it is insane <laughs> yeah oh man yeah, they, this this whole experience kind of moved me at every turn that I saw and one of the great things that I think that they're able to do because of 9-11 and what point in history it happened as opposed to like the Holocaust <clears throat> is that there's so much more media that they were able to, to pull from mm-hmm. and so many more things that they could produce because of it. They can't really do too many audio commentaries about the Holocaust anymore. There's just not that many people left to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But at a lot of these little corners and alcoves, they had audio commentary and people telling the story, and then they had a visual. I mean, ad. it was just when camera phones started. Exactly. So everything's just recorded. Yeah. They even had people, oh, God, they had people on the plane calling their family. And you could listen, yeah. You could listen to it. This is another testimony of human spirit. It is very difficult to listen to because these people aren't freaking out to their family. They're like, the plane 
plane's been hijacked. I don't know. I don't know. Save it. Save it. They were very calm. They were collected. They said, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. I just want you to know that it's going to be okay no matter what happens. They all acted just the way that you wish you would act in that Valor. situation. Mm-hmm. Valor. There was even a, a quote uh, from somebody watching one of the suicide jumpers. Yeah. Who said that she... Um, stepped out on the ledge and adjusted her skirt. Because the wind came because it blew her skirt up. And then she jumped. That is kind of what definitely that's the room that's going to tear you up. There's a little room with a big wall and on the big wall uh, there's a sign right outside of it that says you know advisory this shit's Fucked yeah, up. Trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, this, you know, and right outside uh, to kind of let you know what you're about to see, there's a picture of a bunch of people just like hanging out the side of the building, and then you walk around the wall, mm. and there's five photographs that cycle uh, in and out, and uh, from a projection of people jumping to their death rather than being burnt alive and falling down with the building, making that choice. And there were a lot of jumpers. I don't think there's an exact number, but. There, uh, you know, it was it was something that was well recorded uh, because of how good photography is, and it is frightening and disgusting, and but it is also uh, it's something that happened, and you need to see it. And the way they do it to fuck with you, to really get you, is they take the pictures that are projected and they put them like. 15 feet in the air and they make you stand underneath them and look up as the people are jumping down and what seems like to be on you and then one of the stories that really uh, that was crazy to me was one of the jumpers uh, Eric, so you know how a fire truck, and you're driving a fire truck, and there's the one guy on top of the fire truck driving the uh, driving the steering wheel in the back, trying to make sure the make sure the back half stays good. Our source told us this, right? Our source yeah. told us this, and then uh, someone, one of the jumpers, jumped, landed on the back end of the fire truck. They realized the fire truck isn't driving so well anymore. They they stop. They see that the the guy landed on their friend. They Their friend is dead. They're trying to resuscitate him. As they're resuscitating him, the building falls. So if this guy doesn't fall and land on their friend, they all die. And so this is an entire uh, company of firemen. I forget what ladder it was. But his entire company of firemen would have died if they didn't, if their friend didn't die from a jumper, and they all feel incredible remorse. Not one of them is happy about this. They all feel incredible remorse about the fact that they stopped to help their friend and didn't, and didn't go down with the ship. When it's just the most, and that's one of the other things that we were talking about is how people. Uh, one of the conditions that people have is they just can't deal with the remorse of not dying in 9/11. Yeah, yeah. survivor's guilt. Just yeah. in, intense survivor's guilt. And I think it's so important for... I think that's even more why people should... Everyone should go see this museum. Not to just give Bloomberg money, but <laughs> to really be able to understand sadness and understand tragedy, you got to be able to confront it. You're and there. I, you, you get it. It is the most immersive experience of tragedy that I could ever imagine in my life. It was insane. You were another way it was put to me by someone who was uh, not as happy about it as we were because I like it. I say go. I, I think everyone should go. I'm not yeah. going back. I did it twice. I put my time in. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone should check this out if also you can handle it. 
because it is fucking intense. I'm a cynical person. As soon as I walked in those doors, every ounce of my cynicism left yeah. my body. Yeah. They have tissue stations on this in the corner of every room. They have a tissue box and a little chair if you need to sit down because the curators knew that it is that intense. People were calling it 9-11 the ride. <laughs> it yeah. was just because all around you are these speakers that kind of like play. This is the spoiler alert part, by the way, guys. We're going into it. If you don't want to, if you want to be surprised when you go to the 9-11 uh, museum, uh, I hate to do this, but turn it off now because we're going to give a bunch more spoilers. Yeah. yeah. You already right. downloaded it. It's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. We've already <laughs> given some spoilers. So. Yeah, yeah, but there is basically... There is there is speakers all around you. And so as you're walking, you hear police sirens, buildings crashing, people screaming, you know, and so it feels like you are in 9-11 and you are there. You're in the basement. You know, you're surrounded by you're standing on where someone's last breath was. You get to see steps that people had to run down to get to safety. They're right next to your staircase. Yep. You can't walk on them, but they're right next to yours and you get to stare at them and it's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm really kind of remembering it all again. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I, there were points when I had just to sit down. I remember a few times I just walked away from everybody. Yeah, I just yeah. like wandered off on my own and do that. I think that was a really good thing for me to do because it allows you to just get in your own headspace. A lot of times I just constantly kept hugging Sam and we had a group hug. You yeah, missed yeah. Oh, yeah. Three of us held yeah. each other for a while in the middle of everything. <laughs> well, after you, after we saw the people jumping out of the building and, and stuff. Old yeah. man standing in there. He there was, was this old dude oh. in there. He must have known someone or something. He was in there crying. I went in. He's in there crying. I grab Adam. I grab uh, Sam and Cena, and I, I try. To, I bring them in there to look at the dude. Look at the people jumping. The dude's still in there crying. They leave. We hug each other. We cry. I go find Amber. I'm like Amber. You got got to come see this. You know you can't walk through this without seeing it. Take her in there. Dude's still in there crying. I almost grabbed him and pulled him out. I was like, he was in there for a long time, yeah. just staring at it and crying like a motherfucker. Yeah. And you know, it's just like, there is no shame in it, by the way. If yeah. you're one of those tough macho people, this is the one place where you get to not be a tough macho person. Yeah. I saw a grown man cry. Absolutely, yeah. I saw yeah. a grown man I cry. Plural. Yeah, yeah. many yeah. grown men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The one thing that really got me this last time, because it's weird because, you know, now that I've been twice, oh, by the way, pro tip, go later in the afternoon. Not I went at one the first time, very busy, couldn't really walk around. Four o'clock, not so bad. If Eddie goes three more times, he gets a he gets a six-inch uh, Subway sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that got me the second time that didn't get, they have a fucking, they found a seatbelt from one of the planes. <laughs> Damn. They, and it's there, and it's in one of the cases. There is a seatbelt. From what I don't know how the fuck that exists or like how that found its way, but they found one and maybe it's a seatbelt from a different plane that just happened to be in the Twin Towers, which is possible because there's two giant buildings and Lord knows what that shit was filled with. But man, that fucking scared them. Balls out of that me. brings up another great point. There are so many little nooks where they're just like, here is the debris that was falling to the ground. And they just show you chunks of glass. That's or like so small, thick. So Yeah. Because you think about the glass that's on the Trade Center has to be thick because birds are flying into all the time because because they're, you know, stupid fucking birds. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hey, hey, Kevin Barnett's not here. I can say whatever I want about birds. 
And uh, you know, and so the, the glass is just so thick and large, yeah. and it's just like this is the debris that's fallen on you. And it's not just the people in the building that died; it's the people, the debris that sometimes even like over a block away landed on you, and those people died. Damn! They also found a note. Somebody, some man, was in an office, mm. like in a boardroom, with maybe ten other dudes. And uh, plane hit, and they were sort of trapped in that boardroom. And he managed to squeeze his hand out, and he wrote a note that said, Please help. There's 10 people in here. We're on such and such floor. 84th floor, 84th com- floor. West Conference Room. You remember all these details. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he just kind of took the note and then flew it out into the sky. And someone found it blocks away. Oh, and, you know, yeah. They all died, by the way. Everyone in that conference room died together. There's one video that shows, like, one little sequence that shows the um, uh, there's a guy and there's a camera below him and, and the plane is hit. And then he sees the second plane. You can see from this kid, the second plane hit. Yeah. And then the, and then he just you could just see all the debris kind of fall down. Mm-hmm. And there's another uh, accompanying kind of audio and uh, kind of graphical presentation and this woman was talking and she's a survivor and she was talking about uh, when the one building fell down and the debris storm that kind of took over all of lower Manhattan and she fell to the ground and debris was coming over and she felt this coat come over her and someone put her uh, put his arm around her and he said this it's going to be okay we'll get through this soon and she looked up and she all she saw was the badge on his coat and that's I just I just yeah. sat down for a while after that yeah, I mean man. just imagining that that is really what our men and women in uniform do for us you know yeah. sure they stop and frisk us and do all these other crazy things but at the end of the day they're the ones putting their lives on the line and they're putting a coat over us as there's giant glass debris flooding the street they've sworn an oath yeah you know it's a fucking shitty job and some days you do nothing but then you know there's good 9-11 because it eventually happens I guess for some of you Ugh. and that's fucking crazy and then uh, the other thing that really blew my mind when I was watching it was uh, uh, the uh, people talking about the debris and how they get had to get the uh, debris uh, was so bad that they get it out of their mouths. Oh. They had to like stick their fingers in their mouths and they're pulling out rocks and shit like that just so they can breathe. And now all, most of these people are, you know, they've got lung cancer now. Oh. They got, I mean, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. You know, that's like the people who are sick from cleanup and all that stuff that were there. And, uh, you know, and you, that's that's a whole nother thing we need to talk about. But we, before we get going, we got to talk about one thing, and that's the fucking gift shop. Oh. No. Wait, can we just do a whole episode on the, <laughs> the gift, gift shop? shop? And one thing I will say about the gift shop is I believe as uh, a tourist and a human being that's lived on this earth and gone on vacation that there needs to be a gift shop. But you know, what you put in it is up to you. And how you design it is up to you. And this is the worst fucking thing that I've ever seen. You've got <laughs> toys that go pew, 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 wah, wah, wah. Yeah, after yeah. you've been walking around for three hours listening to those noises in real life and listening to people screaming over them, yeah. then, you know, you have the kids running around and pressing the buttons on all the toys that make it noise. was like going to the Holocaust Museum and they're in the gift shop they're selling an easy bake oven <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't forget to buy your crying fireman bookmark <laughs> oh my god that was the worst thing I ever saw my whole life yeah there's a $250 blanket 
There's a $125 scarf. They had ashtrays. Ashtrays. What a fucking with American flags on them. Ashtrays with American flags. Like, come on. The moment I walked in, Eddie was in there fucking cheesing from ear to ear, looking at me because he knew how ridiculous this was. This place was upset. You were. And then I was like looking at this girl. I was like, "Mommy, look at this!" And she pokes the fucking police car button. It's going. And then I'm like, oh, my God. And I look to my left, and there's this giant fat guy trying to try on an NYPD shirt. Hey, buddy, it doesn't fit. Too fat to be a cop. So he's trying to peel off this shirt, and, like, the siren's going. And Eddie, I turn around, and Eddie's holding the fireman bookmark. And he's like, you need a bookmark? I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. They had this whole section that's just dedicated to books about dogs. I mean, I granted dogs like help find people but only 18 people were pulled out of the wreckage and so who gives a fucking dogs <laughs> fucking three books about dogs in 9-11 it was the most Intense. tasteless yeah. gift shop it looked like a futuristic bookshop too it was yeah. so weird it was t-shirts like where do you wear those t-shirts like the grocery store you know hi I'd like some egg salad and uh, uh, eggs and uh, the lives of our men back <laughs> <laughs> I think that there should be t-shirts though because I know if I went to the Pearl Harbor Museum and I couldn't get a fucking t-shirt I'd be pissed off you know, but uh, it's all about how you present it because these things do need to exist. And like, granted, I used to own a 9-11 t-shirt anyway. Oh, really? I mean, after it happened, everyone bought one. You know, <laughs> it's just like never forget, uh, which is, by uh, the way, I feel bad for elephants because they had never forget before all this. You know? <laughs> oh, good one. Wait, but Eddie, I take, I take strong issue with the fact that there needs to be a gift shop in the 9-11 you museum. You think so? I don't think there needs to be one at all. If there was 1% of public funding, I think the first thing they would do is be like, get rid of the fucking gift shop. All right, yeah. the, the American American taxpayer will pay for you enough so you don't have to have a fucking gift shop. I'll tell well, you just what. Just increase the increase the um, ticket price. Yeah. yeah. Five dollars. Yeah, or who cares? Don't or, sell ashtrays. It's yeah, fine. Don't sell ashtrays. Or just put in a fact of like a cafe. Yeah, yeah, I thought there was a cafe when there wasn't. I was planning on going, we were going to go do a food review yeah. of all the food in the cafe, but <laughs> you know there wasn't a cafe, and so we had to nix that idea. Uh. But there should be a cafe, because I went with my diabetic mother, whose sugar dropped, and she really could have used the fucking cookie. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like, so there's got, you got to think, a lot of old people are going to go to this, and you got to, you got to take care of them. Yeah. And oh, one thing, I've, one story I forgot to tell, good funny stories and I went with my mother she was the worst person to go with and we're walking around and like we're sitting there and everyone's kind of like dealing with this very quietly and trying to deal with the you know what's going on around you my mother's just like that's horrible <laughs> Disgu- those bastards <laughs> which by the way they dealt with the uh, terrorist attacks the people that did it very classy like yeah. Just gonna put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the end of the. And then there's also a room you can go in and record if you were involved in 9/11 and you were there. You were, your father died or whatever. There is a room where you can go and you can be put on tape recording what well, your experience was. Anyone can go in. Yeah. I chose not to. We all chose not to yeah. because we didn't live in New York. We didn't really go through anything. There was we had nothing to really add that wasn't in that museum already. Yeah, uh, but it, it's extremely uh, well done and really high production 
value. You can watch a lot of like heads of state and a lot of senators and politicians and a lot of people within the community speak on a screen in that same room. Mm-hmm. It's worth uh, taking a, a few minutes yeah, and watching. Go give Bloomberg's grandkids uh, their yacht money. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, we could probably talk about this for another 45 minutes to an hour, but we do got to go because there's another group coming in. Thank you guys so much for listening to Brighter Side. And taking us out today on the music is going to be uh, Aaron Copeland, uh, a great uh, American composer of classical music. And we're going to play the honey part of Appalachian Spring. So please enjoy that. There are American uh, composers that you can uh, that you can listen to at any point. And, uh, you know, what are your final thoughts on the museum, Cena? I think everyone should go, confront your fears, step into that fucking dark place so that you can deal with tragedy later in your life. When are you going back? <laughs> Amber, what do you what do you think about the museum? Uh, yeah, everyone should go. Make sure you go with somebody else that you can have a discussion with afterwards, and they can hold you during it. Going with you guys was much better than going with my mother. Not that I don't love my mother with every part of my heart. You hate your mother. I do not hate my mother. <laughs> but I uh, I did love going with you guys and going with peers. I definitely suggest that. Go at four p.m. Sam, how did you? What did you think? Yeah, I'd say everybody go find somebody that you can uh, you can hold and cry with. Yeah. for a, a, like four hours. Thank you guys Absolutely. for going with me. Absolutely. Yeah, and taking me. I'll be back. I'm sure I will. I need to keep up my record as the person who goes the most who doesn't <laughs> work there. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. God bless America. Tomorrow's the 4th of July or today or yesterday, depending when you're listening to this. We live in the greatest country in America. <laughs> I guess there's two parts of America, but the whole goddamn world, the whole universe, no matter what fuck up shit we do. Remember, this is the greatest land and you're incredibly blessed to be here. We rebuilt that tower. We rebuilt it into something even more bigger and more beautiful because we're not going to let anybody piss us off. It's a bad motherfucker. Go check out the Freedom Tower. World Trade Center now as they're calling it. It's beautiful. Shines up our city lights. Cena, say hi to people right now. (laughs) Salam. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we can't end it with that. I guess so. You can end it any way you want, because I guess they ended it or started it. <laughs> Go visit the mosque. We love you guys. God bless America. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.